Hello, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Graph. This week, I got to speak with Spencer Kornhaber, a pop culture writer at The Atlantic. He has some really interesting thoughts about what journalists should focus on in their work, criticism as journalism, and much more, and I cannot wait for you to hear them. But now, without further ado, here is Beyond the Graph. Hello, Spencer. Thank you so much for being here. Just to start, would you mind just introducing yourself to the listeners? Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my name is Spencer Kornaber. I am a staff writer at The Atlantic, where I've been for about 12 years. And I write about popular culture and music. Um, and I was a Medill class of 09. Well, that is awesome. Uh, could you go into kind of what your time at Northwestern was like I know that you're actually one of the founders of North by Northwestern. Yes, yeah. Um, it's amazing to me that North by Northwestern is still around. Um, yeah, so I mean, I started at Northwestern in 2005, um, which seems like ancient history, like a whole different era of history for sure. <laughs> but, you know, when I think back to um, uh, my first days at Medill, I just remember like there was an early lecture, like maybe the first day of um, the 101 class, where basically the gist of it was that journalism is dying and, um, you know, you're going into this profession that um, all the rules are changing and is being um, downsized by the internet. So that kind of like framed the entire experience. Um, and I don't think it was <laughs> like, uh, I don't think that that was false advertising or anything, but it definitely um, spurred us as students to, um, both like statements like that and our general awareness of what was happening in the media spurred uh, students to want to look for sort of um, less conventional ways of doing journalism and, and you know, figuring out what our generation of journalism would look like. Uh, so yeah, so, so things like Northway and Northwestern, that got started by, uh, you know, a, a rather large group of friends that I had at CRC, the Communications Residential College. We were really a really tight-knit group of of friends, um, mostly Medell kids, but there were also some like art, RTVF majors in there, comms kids, theater, theater kids. Um, and, you know, we wanted to make media. We were interested in media and journalism. We felt like our classes weren't quite giving us the online journalism education that we wanted. And we also felt like the daily where we all tried to work was a little hierarchical, a little stuck in its ways, wasn't letting us, you know, do all the fun stuff we wanted to do photography, you know, arts criticism, feature writing, that sort of stuff. So yeah, we started a website and, um, you know, we took a lot of inspiration from places like Slate that were kind of hot right then. Um, and that was a lot of fun. It didn't, it wasn't clear to us whether anyone was reading at first, but over time it did become, it did start to feel like we had a real rivalry with the daily and that, uh, you know, we were somewhat helping drive conversation on campus. And that was a really fun thing to be part of and you know everyone who was involved that has, has, has gone on to do amazing things um so it's really cool to, I, that um there's still nbners who for example like get hired at the atlantic today um who are just out of school yeah that is so cool but you graduated from northwestern in 2009 and ultimately found yourself at the atlantic but could you go into what your career looked like before then but also what your job has been like since joining the atlantic staff yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, when I when I graduated from Northwestern, I had a fellowship through Village Voice Media, which might be gone now, and that was a chain of alternative news weeklies. They placed me at OC Weekly, which is um, which was the alternative news weekly in Orange County, California, where I'm from, and that was 
great. It was really like an amazing first job out of college. I was there for two years in the end, much of that time as a staff writer after the fellowship. Um, and, uh, you know, alternative news weeklies are a dying and mostly dead breed now, unfortunately, but um, they were, there were this really amazing um, institution of magazine journalism and sort of gonzo journalism in, in local markets. And Orange County, California was a pretty, is a, is a pretty conservative suburban place without a lot of alternative edge in its media ecosystem. Um, but OC Weekly was that alternative edge. And so I really um, thought, always thought it was cool to read when I was growing up. And so, and I, I felt like it was cool to be on the inside there. Um, and, you know, the, the charge there was to find cool, interesting magazine -y stories in this place that, you know, you, I certainly considered to be <laughs> rather bland. Um, and so, you know, I wrote about some like music scene stuff. I would cover like local school board controversies. It was kind of like digging for the weird, um, the weird bits in a suburban place and trying to really write about them in zingy fun ways. I'm sure that if I was to read some of that old stuff, which is no longer online, I would cringe. But um, yeah, I mean, it was a chance to write long form kind of magazine cover stories about uh, local kooky figures. I then went to work at Patch, which was a hyper local startup that is also somewhat diminished now, mostly gone, but still sort of exists. But at the time, they were hiring up all the young journalists in the country to run little news websites in random places. Um, and that was a real trial, but very fun in its own way too. I was, I was running a news website for um, the town of Lake Forest, California. And that meant covering all the news yourself as a reporter, but also like recruiting freelancers from like the local knitting club or whatever. And, you know, taking your own photos, putting together videos, just basically living and breathing the place you lived. And, you know, I didn't, I would never went into journalism to do local news but that sort of experience i think was really valuable and then at the same time as doing all that i was also freelancing in music and music journalism um at northwestern i had done teaching media or maybe it's called junior residency now or something at spin magazine um the the music magazine and um i kind of exited that internship with a relationship with one of the editors who would assigned me a couple record reviews to write every month, um, just like 80 to 100 words mostly. And that was incredibly, incredibly valuable training. You know, he was, he's an incredible editor and it really forced you to think about how to say something interesting in a very, very small amount of space about a piece of music. Um, and that's really what I wanted to do. That was my um, goal all along was to sort of be a music critic. Anyways, uh, yeah, and then The Atlantic posts a job for an assistant editor or associate editor on its newly launched culture vertical online. And long story short is I got hired there. Um, what really started that process was me sending in a piece. I mean, I applied to the job and didn't hear anything. And then I sent in a, 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 an article, a draft uh, of basically a review of the new Radiohead album. Um, the editor liked it, she ran it and she was like, hey, let's, let's talk about this application for this job. Um, and that was, you know, my foot in the door there um, for the most part. I also knew a couple of people from Northwestern who were working there and that probably helped. Um, yeah, so I was an assistant associate editor on the Culture Channel for, um, for a bit, uh, handling a lot of freelance content, writing a little bit myself. Um, and that was, you know, I, I just felt very excited to be at somewhere like the Atlantic. I've, 
in my early 20s, I moved to D.C. Um, that was really fun. And, you know, the job has evolved from there. Well, that is awesome. It's so cool that you kind of gotten uh, a taste of a lot of different things, but then ultimately wound up at uh, kind of where I guess wanted to end up at. But now as a staff writer, can you kind of just go into what that really looks like on the day to day? Yeah, it's somewhat freeform and ever changing. There are different years where it looks different. There's different times of different years where it looks different in terms of the pace and um, you know, expected output and the kind of output that I am pushing myself to do. Um, there's eras where you're trying to kind of just be on the news and, and write something smart every couple of days about what's happening in the world of, of culture, something that can really make sense for the Atlantic's readership and you know keep us in the cultural conversation. Uh, and there's times when you get, you're afforded an opportunity to really step back and work on something longer, more considered, something reported. Um, and, and you're kind of moving between the, I, at least I've been moving between those two kind of modes of working my entire time in this job. Um, and I, I, I like that sort of um, flexibility and sense of sense of rhythm or um, yeah, evolution just month to month in the job. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I have a pretty direct relationship with an immediate editor for who works for the website. I also have relationships with editors with the magazine um, and other figures at the organization that, you know, route some of the, the kind of bigger or longer step ideas. But mostly I'm talking to my day-to-day editor um, who's really good at, at, you know, quickly moving along ideas and, and helping shape uh, something that we see in the news or like a, like a record that's coming out that I'm interested in into like some sort of ideas he is the term we use. So I think something's sort of driven by a larger idea than just this is good or bad. Um, uh, because that's really what we're trying to do at the Atlantic is, is um, grab the sort of nebulous ideas that shape our world out of out of the air and kind of put them in uh, concrete terms and, and help people understand the frames that are shaping, you know, America and, and, our, and our day-to-day lives. Yeah, yeah, that is, that's so awesome. Now, uh, circling back to something you kind of hit on earlier, so you were hired at The Atlantic as an editor originally, but you mentioned that, you know, you have a really good relationship with your editors at The Atlantic. Could you kind of just go into what you feel like the relationship between writers and editors should be like? Yeah, um, I mean, I think that it's, at the best, um, a pretty collaborative relationship, a collaborative and creative one. Um, where the editor has a bit of writer in them and the writer has a bit of editor in them. At least that's that's where I'm coming from as someone who used to be an editor and is now a writer and feels like my writing is very informed by the experience of editing. Um, I don't think everyone necessarily is coming at writing from that vantage. Just people are kind of more pure and, you know, probably better <laughs> or more interesting writers than me because they are just, you know, such creative spirits that that they are sort of channeling from their brain to the page. Um, for me, it's there's a little bit more of an analytical process and, and self-editing that happens. But you know, at, at its best, you're hoping that the editor will not just point out the places where an idea is underdeveloped or contradictory or, or needs to um, be sharpened, but is bringing to you ideas for um, different ways of phrasing things, different arguments and ideas that could be in the piece, different um 
ways of structuring the piece. Um, you know, but all of this requires uh, an editor, editors to have sort of the time and space. And I think at any publication, um, you know, everyone's under the gun with deadlines. And so, you know, everyone's sort of working towards this ideal of, um, of a really collaborative symbiosis. And it's really amazing when you can get that. Um, but at the very least, uh, an editor, uh, at least in my experience, is calming you down, <laughs> is, is the sort of um, leveling anti-anxious force in the relationship. And, and the writer is the one who's a little more erratic and on edge. Um, and, uh, you know, the editor has to play therapist a bit to the writer. And, um, <laughs> you know, I think that's a healthy dynamic. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, another topic, though, that I'm super interested what your thoughts will be is as a pop culture writer and a critic, you know, a large part of your job includes kind of giving your, uh, you know, your honest reviews of pieces. But what I'm really interested in is where criticism is journalism and where it isn't. Yeah, I mean... That's a really uh, good question. To me, all good criticism comes from, is rooted in journalism, uh, or is rooted in journalistic impulses and ethics. You know, there's this term like hate, you know, critic is term, gets conflated with the term hater on the internet, or like <laughs> Stan or, or whatever. You know, I, I think that good criticism is about trying to express something that is true trying to have some integrity about um where your opinions are coming from and really it's about trying to yeah talk about true forces that shape our world that are not either you cannot quantify with science and you can't really capture with reporting it's more about like the kind of like narratives and feelings that draw together a room or bring a room apart that like underlie you know why a piece of um art connects with the audience or doesn't um you know it, it sounds a little like metaphysical to talk about um things in that way and, and it is a little bsy because it's, these are these you know what i'm talking about aren't really hard truths but you have to kind of approach criticism like you are trying to find out the truth of what why something is working or not and like what it's really conveying or what it's not conveying and that that involves rigorous observation, uh, logical deduction, historical uh, analysis, historical knowledge, comparisons, you know, and, and you know, and, and really self-examination about whether you're saying something from a place of, you know, Taylor Swift's fans are mean to me, so I'm going to really get her this time, or, <laughs> you know, or if it's really something that you feel comes from a, a more authentic place. And I think the I think in this internet era that the, the critics who can sort of convey the ability to argue with maturity and integrity, um, I hope are like one little kind of um, bulwark against us all sliding into chaos and anarchy and civil war and all that. So that's, that's sort of the, um, the pretentious ambition for this kind of work. Well, wow, that was put uh, beautifully. Oh, God. <laughs> that's, um... Cut all that. <laughs> no, no, I really think that that's so great. Um, 
because I, I didn't have an answer. Yeah. <laughs> but um, awesome. So now kind of taking a uh, another kind of wide view look at things, looking at kind of both, you know, magazine writing, uh, you know, more hard news stuff, sports writing, whatever it is. What are some commonly held beliefs about journalism that you actually disagree with? I, I always have like a thing about, I think like not that about networking and it being overrated. Um, you know, not that it, not that it, connections don't matter in this world because they absolutely do and they've mattered for me. But very easily, people latch on to sort of the soft power advice they get in a program like Medell or really anywhere. Like you know, the idea that you really have to hustle and give everyone your business card and really self-promote and really be out there on Twitter. And and for some people that totally works, but um, I think for most people who are working just like in the trenches every day, they got there through the work itself, which is not to like discount the systemic issues that people get in the roles they get into. But, um, you know, you can't BS your way through this profession and you can get a little of the way there, but, um, People claim out and get get found out, and um, it, you know there are some really incredible writers who have made their names on Twitter. There's also a lot of people who have made their names on Twitter who don't really have much journalism to to really point to. <laughs> so you know, uh, I think that if you are really drawn to the work itself, that is a better thing to focus on. Um, than trying to show up to every conference. And I know that's sort of coming from maybe a place of privilege as someone who's already, um, you know, ha has a job. But um, I, I just know that, like, there's a tendency in aspiring, in, in groups of aspiring journalists, there's always some people who maybe are over-indexing on the things that are really distracting them from the work. Well, okay, yeah. I think that's a really important reminder that, in journalism, the work has to come first. But now, for anyone who's looking to have a career as a reporter, as a journalist, what's some advice that you would have for them? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, you can drown in advice in this, in this profession. But uh, one thing I always think about that, you know, I feel like isn't, uh, was never put to me strong. Actually, it was put to me strongly by one editor in my career and that really has made a difference which is like the whole excellence of journalism is about understanding the concept of cliche and you have to know what a cliche is and that is both on the level of writing like what are the phrases that everyone's heard before and like what are the kind of hacky little tricks that you might want to use but it's just going to turn the reader's brain off because they've read so much like that before um it's also on the level of analysis like what is actually new in the culture what is actually breaking the mold and what's just uh, you know the same idea just stated again um you really have to tune your ear to what's fresh and original um without you know journalism is not an experimental art form um or even if it is an art form it's not it's not an experimental practice so you're not like trying to reinvent the wheel with every sentence you write and sometimes I've done this and, and, you know, bad writing can come from that impulse to like get so far away from cliche that you're um, torturing the English language. But um, you have to have a very healthy 
understanding of what cliche is and when you want to come close to it and when you want to move away from it. Um, and what, yeah, and that, that also pertains to the ideas that you're arguing and, and the topics you cover, like what's, what's familiar and what's unfamiliar, what's too out there, what's just on that edge between familiar and novel that, that readers will um, respond to and, and that you're really doing something that's helping kind of push the sort of knowledge base of our, of our little society forward. Um, so that's a really highbrow answer to the kind of advice <laughs> to, 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 right. so just like figure out uh your relationship to cliche like read you know read um george orwell's uh politics in the english language like you know it, it we learn about journalese and and hacky cliches in journalism school for a reason and and it kind of opens up onto the larger question of like what makes work outstanding versus just mediocre well yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah there have definitely been times when I think when I'm trying to kind of take the easy route on a piece that those cliches are really, really easy to fall into. So I think yeah, you have a really great point that- Yeah, but then it's all cringe. So you gotta be <laughs> careful. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I think, you know, you produce better work when, um, you know, you're not trying to reinvent the wheel. But I think that's really all I have, Spencer. Thank you so much for giving up your time. Awesome. Yeah, no, thank you. It's been fun. Well, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And I hope to have you next time on Beyond the Graph.